Christmas season, and uh, I'm going to, uh, Lord willing, every uh, Sunday evening service, uh, bring a different message as far as different characters of the Christmas story. And uh, there's uh, so many different directions you can go when you're preaching about Christmas, and I got another couple, a uh, couple other Christmas messages we'll bring. Uh, but I want to talk about some of the Bible characters that are involved in the Christmas story, and just kind of specifically talk about them, their lives, and uh, what part they played. And so, how could we uh, start uh, the Christmas story? Now, obviously, the baby Jesus. Amen. I mean, that's what it's about. And uh, praise the Lord, He didn't just stay a baby. He grew up and and uh, lived the life He lived and, and died for us uh, on the cross and all that. And we will talk about Him some. Uh, but uh, maybe some of the other sto- uh, characters of the Christmas story. And so, let's talk about today uh, for, for our afternoon message. We're talking about Joseph and Mary. Uh, Joseph and Mary. So take your Bibles. Go to Matthew chapter one. Uh, Matthew chapter one. Next to Jesus, they are probably the most famous uh, uh, characters of the Christmas story. And uh, what do we know about Joseph and Mary? Well, if you start uh, reading there in Matthew chapter one and, and other places, Luke chapter two, you find some very interesting uh, things about Joseph and Mary. Now, again, for uh, I won't read everything today. I'm going to read some of the scripture, uh, but we're going to read for our scripture today. Uh, verses 18 through 25. So if you find your place, stand with me as we read the passage here in Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. The Bible says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph before they came together, she was found the child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she being, and she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. And all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife, and knew her not until she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, we love you again. Thank you for uh, the Word of God, the, uh, the the things you give us in it. And I pray that you'd help us now as we go through these next several weeks leading up to the day we celebrate your birth. And I pray that you'd speak to us uh, through the different uh, passages of Scripture we're going to look at. And bless us, we pray today, as we talk about these two wonderful people, Lord, that uh, you chose to uh, be your earthly parents while you were here. And, and we'll, we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Joseph and Mary. Now, uh, we're not going to do so, but if you go back to Matthew chapter 1 and you begin in verse 1 and read all the way down through verse 17, you read about the, the genealogies of Christ. Now, folks, listen, uh, God put everything in the Scripture for a reason, for a purpose. And it's important that these genealogies are in here. And uh, they may not mean a whole lot to us, but let me tell you what they do. They prove Bible prophecy to be accurate and to be true. And uh, you know what? Uh, if you read here at Matthew chapter 1, through verse 17, you read the genealogy of Joseph. And it's very important here And uh, because what you see here is the fact that Joseph uh, descended from the tribe of Judah. Now, why is that important? Uh, because Jesus was known as the lion of the tribe of Judah. And that was a prophecy uh, that was given way back in the Old Testament that prophesied the tribe that Jesus Christ would come from. And even though Joseph was not the human father of 
Jesus. Of course, uh, uh, he though uh, was the, the, the earthly represent, uh, representation of a earthly father figure. Okay, And so even Joseph uh, and Mary both came through that tribe. Very interesting here. Now, when God was looking for a man uh, to be the earthly father figure of his son, uh, God, for some reason, chose Joseph. Now, you know what, folks? There's some tasks uh, that are important, but there's some tasks, or, I, I, or should I say this, I think all tasks are important, but there's some that you can't afford to mess up on, okay? And you know what? This was one, I mean, you think about uh, the things that Joseph had to be and had to be trusted with in order to fulfill this earthly father figure role of Christ. And let me say this, you know God is still looking uh, today for people that he can trust to do things for him, amen? And by the way, you know what? It's true, there are qualifications to being used of God. Amen. There are some qualifications. Now, again, it's not perfection, but there's some things. Part of it's what we talked about this morning, sanctification. You know God can't use a dirty vessel. Did you know that? God has to have vessels that are clean. The Bible says sanctified, meet and fit for the master's use. I mean, come on, think about it. You know, if you're going to, let's say, for example, a wedding, or, uh, a wedding reception, and you're going to, you know, a uh, bride and a groom are going to drink punch out of a wedding glass, you know what? They're not going to take a glass uh, that's, uh, you know, been, been uh, sitting with a bunch of uh, crud in it. It's all crusty and it's all nasty. You ain't going to want to drink anything out of that, right? No, you know what you want that glass to be? You want it to be clean. And you know what? If we're going to, God's going to use us, we need to be vessels, meet and fit for the master's use. And you know what? Joseph was that. Let's look at some characteristics in Joseph's life here. First of all, we see this in verse 19. It says that being a just man, uh, uh, Joseph was just. Now that word just, it means equitable, holy, righteous. You know what that means? That means Joseph was a believer in the, in the coming Messiah. Okay? Now, he didn't know exactly when until the angel appeared to him, but he was a believer knowing that a Messiah was one day going to come uh, to come and die for his sins. And so it's, it's fitting that the very first description of Joseph is that it talks about his salvation in the coming Messiah. He was a just man. And uh, that's why it's important, folks, the first qualification of being used of God is being saved. Amen? you got to be saved. you got to be born again. And Joseph, no doubt, was that. What else do we see? in verse 19. Notice what it says here, that being a just man, not willing to make her marry a public example, was minded to put her away privily. Now, what that means is this, Joseph was compassionate. He was compassionate. And uh, Joseph here had found out that Mary was with child. Now, this was before the angel came to him. So imagine if you are a spouse to someone, which is a little more serious than what we would call an engagement. Okay? Uh, it, it it means that you're locked in to marry them, okay? And there were some other customs that goes along with that. But imagine being engaged and then your future wife comes up expecting a child. Now, you can imagine the devastation that would cause you. Because you know what that means? That means unfaithfulness. That means that, you know what? It's, it wasn't what you thought it was. And Joseph here, even though by the law could have made a public example of her. By the way, go back and read the Old Testament law sometime and see what the penalty for that was. But you know what? Joseph, again, before Gabriel came and talked to him, even though he was devastated, no doubt, you know what? He loved Mary, that he was not going to make her a public example and put her away privily. You know what that speaks of? Compassion. 
Amen? Compassion. And I just preached on that not that long ago. I'm not going to re-preach it. But folks, let me just say something. One thing we need to have as God's people is, comp- is compassion for people. Amen? Yes. Compassion. The Bible says, and if some have compassion, making a difference. You want to make a difference in somebody's life? Show them a God-like compassion. That doesn't mean that you, sin doesn't have to be dealt with. By the way, Jesus Christ was the ultimate example of compassion, and He dealt with sin. Amen? But you know, he did so in such a way to where he pointed people to himself instead of driving them away because of of treating them in a way they shouldn't be treated. And you know what, folks? We must, as a church of Jesus Christ, have compassion on people. Listen, if God's going to use our church to continue to do great things, we must be compassionate people. By the way, you know why we need to be compassionate? Because we're living in a world of a lot of broken people. Amen. by the way, before we got saved, we were broken. You know what's the game changer in all of our lives? Jesus Christ. Amen? And even once you get saved, all those scars don't go away. you still got to carry them. you still got to deal with them. We need to show compassion. Amen? So Joseph was just. Joseph was compassionate. Notice here what else we see, verse 20. All right. That's all right. We'll, we'll, we'll let uh, Brother Gary call on his wife, uh, uh, needing to know where the, uh, needing to know where the, uh, uh, the, the, the microwave food's at, right, Miss Lisa? So, <laughs> it's okay. Amen. All right. I've done that before too. I forgot to take my phone off, uh, off ring. So, no problem. Compassion right there. Amen. All right. Okay. We see Joseph was just, he was compassionate. Look at verse 20. I love this. But while he, notice what it says, thought on these things. You know what Joseph was? He was a thanker. Okay? Joseph, when this news came of Mary uh, being expectant with child, he didn't act uh, irrational. He didn't act out of emotion. He was willing to take some time and think things through. By the way, this was uh, before the angel came to him. I mean, no doubt Joseph understood something wasn't right about this. He knew Mary. He knew that this was out of her character. This wasn't something that, you know, uh, she would just go out and, 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 and this would happen to her. No, Joseph knew something was going on, so he stopped and he thought about it. Let me just say this, folks. One of the most important things we can do is thank. Amen? By the way, we talked about this when we talked through the principles of the tongue. Thank before you speak. Amen? Thank. Process. All right? Don't just blurt something out. Don't make irrational decisions. Think about them. All right? And Joseph did that. He was a thanker. And then, of course, the angel came and explained it all to him. Now, could you imagine the relief Joseph had to feel when Gabriel appeared to him and explained to him what was going on? Now, no doubt there was a heightened sense of responsibility. I mean, oh my goodness, Mary and I are chosen to be the earthly parents of of the coming Messiah? No doubt there, but there was also relief, no doubt. But Joseph here, look at verse 24. I love this. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, notice here, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him. You know what Joseph was? Obedient. Let me tell you what God wants from us, folks. He just wants for us to obey Him. Okay? By the way, you know what? You say, well, well, how do, we, how do we obey Him? Well, He's given us a whole book of things that He wants us to do and things He doesn't want us to do. Amen? And when we read the Word of God and take it, and listen, I'm big about this, making it uh, applicable to our lives. It's not just about here. It's, by the way, folks, the world will try to tell you, you know, theologians will try to tell you, all these supposedly smart people will try to tell you that the Bible is just some old archaic book and may be good for some history and may be good for some that kind of stuff. It has nothing to do with our, our day and age we're living in. Nothing could be further from the truth. 
Amen? The Bible is a practical book that we as Christians in this day and age need to be obeying its principles. Amen? And Joseph obeyed. You know what we just need to do as Christians? Obey the Lord. Amen? And then what else do we see here? Look at verse 25. And knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Now, think about this, okay? Joseph was a man of restraint. Now, he had married uh, Mary, okay? They got married, but you know what? He understood what was going on, and he restrained himself in such a way uh, to where he denied his flesh. And folks, let me just say this. Think about this. The virgin birth could have been tainted with doubt had Joseph not had this character trait. Okay? And let me just say, you know what? One of the main things we need to figure out in the Christian life is that of restraint. Restraining our flesh. Because I'm going to tell you, our flesh will get us... Most of the problems we get into in the Christian life is because of the flesh. Most every problem. Oh, the devil. The devil's this. Yeah, he's a real enemy, no doubt about it. But you know, for most Christians, the devil never even has to mess with them because they can't restrain their own flesh. The flesh is the first enemy all of us will always deal with. And then if you can get past the flesh, then the world's going to mess with you. And if you can get past that, then maybe, just maybe, the devil might pay you a little attention. Okay, but truth be told, folks, too many of us are caught up with the things of the flesh. Thank God Joseph had restraint, amen, because he understood uh, what was going on. And listen to me, his physical desires were not more important than obeying God. That would be a good point in the Christian life. We can all get to that, amen. And then last of all, what else we see about Joseph? We see this in Matthew chapter 13, verse 55. That Joseph was a hard worker. Notice what it says about, about Christ. Is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary, his brother and James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas? You know what Joseph was? We know this. The Bible tells us he was a carpenter by trade. And no doubt he took time to teach Jesus that trade. And because of Joseph's life of hard work, you know Joseph didn't live a long life. And the reason we know this is because when Jesus died on the cross, one of the things He said on the cross was to commit the care of Mary to John, the Beloved. And by the way, why would He have had to do that if Joseph was still around? More than likely, Joseph probably died in his 40s. And you know why Joseph died? Because he was a hard worker. He was a hard worker. And folks, again, let me say, God cannot use lazy people. He's got to have uh, materials with which to work, and hard work is one of the basic building blocks that a person must have in their character. And that's why it's important, and I'm very thankful to say, we are in a a uh, a church full of working people. Amen? And thank God for people in this church, the men and women who are hard workers. Praise God for that. You know why we're going to be able to here in just a little bit get a, a huge project done, and truth be told, just a handful of hours? Because people are willing to work, that's why. Amen? And I'm so thankful for that. So folks, let's, let, let, me, let me say, let me just remind you, be a hard worker. And by the way, those of us who are raising children, raise your children to be hard workers. By the way, they don't start, you don't, they don't flip a switch at 15 and turn into hard workers. You've got to train that into them when they are young. Now I get it, you don't you know, hand the same responsibility to a 3-year-old than you do a 13-year-old. But don't tell me that even kids at a young age can't be taught how to work. Amen? And so what wonderful lessons we learn here from Joseph. Now, real quick, let's talk about Mary for a minute. Mary, take your Bibles, flip over to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. 
Now again, I'm not going to read all the Scripture here because there, uh, there's a lot of Scripture to read. But we see here in uh, Luke chapter 1, uh, we see the, uh, Mary coming on the scene. And of course, the, uh, John the Baptist, the birth of him. And then we see the uh, as God began to work with Mary there in verse 26 uh, through verse 38. And again, for sake of time, I'm not going to read all those verses to you. But let me point out some things. Brother uh, Frost said it last night when he talked about Mary. Uh, but Mary was just a young Jewish girl uh, that history tells us, culture tells us, uh, probably around 15 years of age. And that's just kind of the way they did things back then. And But Mary here, think about this for a minute, She was she, there was something about her, out of all the young virgins in Israel, God chose her. Now there were multiple uh, people probably uh, that would have fit that uh, uh, for God to use, but God on purpose chose Mary. Now there were some things about Mary God saw that God liked, amen? And that's the reason He chose her. The first and foremost thing I think is important we understand about Mary, and it says in verse 27, is that Mary was a virgin, amen? Notice what it says, to a virgin, a spouse to a man whose name was Joseph. Now folks, let me just say this, one of the main tenets of of our faith is the fact of the virgin birth of Jesus Christ. Now that is so very important. You know, it shouldn't surprise us that other versions of the Bible take the word virgin out. Big surprise, right? They replace it with the word maiden. Now I'm going to tell you, you can be a maiden and not be a virgin. Okay? And I'm going to tell you something, folks. The King James Bible, uh, no doubt, uh, all of it was given by inspiration, and every word is there for a reason. And the Bible is very adamant that Mary was a virgin. Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. Therefore the Lord Himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. Now, folks, it wouldn't have been a sign if a maiden would have conceived and bear a son. You know why? That happened all the time. No sign there. But you know what the sign was, was that a virgin could conceive without the biological human relationship that it takes to conceive and bear a son. What a miracle. Amen? And folks, let me just say this. You know what this reminds us? Is that God wants for us as His people to live morally pure lives. Amen? We ought to be morally pure before marriage, during marriage, and even after marriage. Amen? We ought to be morally pure. Let me tell you something. That's honoring in God's eyes, and that's honoring in God's sight. And no doubt, Mary uh, was uh, honor the Lord in that area, obviously. Amen? And so don't ever let anyone ever tell you that Jesus Christ was not born of a virgin. Amen? Because had His blood been tainted with human blood, He could not have been our Savior. He could not have paid our sin debt for us had Joseph been his human father. Amen? So Mary, no doubt, was a virgin. Number two, what else do we see about Mary? We see this. Mary was highly favored with the Lord. Look at verse 28. And it says this, Hail, thou art highly favored. And then look down in verse 30. Again, we see the exact same uh, description. For thou hast found favor with God. Now that word favored there, it means grace with special honor. And there was something about Mary that God saw that He could use uh, for her to be the mother of the Messiah. Now let me say this, folks, and this is a very important statement here. God loves everyone the same. At the, uh, the, the cross, the ground's level, Okay. God loves, it doesn't matter who you are, where are you from, if you're a human being, God loves you. Amen? Remember, we talked about that. That's one of the things about God. One of the, one of the right views about God is that God loves everybody. But you ready for this? You know, God favors others based upon their obedience. 
So God loves everyone the same, but God favors others. You know what His favor is given to? Those who obey. Alright? Now i got verse after verse after verse. I'll just give you a couple of them here. Uh, Proverbs chapter 3, verse 4, uh, or verse 3, so, Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them about thy neck. Write them upon the table of thine heart. Listen to this. So shalt thou find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. You know what the Bible's saying here? God will favor you based upon your obedience of truth. Or His Word. Amen? And so Mary here was highly favored because she no doubt was an obedient young lady to God and His Word. Not only that, here's what else we see, is that she was trustworthy. Look what it says in verse 28, Blessed art thou amongst women. You know, I wonder when Mary was growing up, if she gave much thought to the fact that God was watching her do the smallest of tasks. And wonder if she could be trusted to just do the small things. And I wonder if she understood God was watching her to determine her use to Him in this area. And by the way, folks, everything that we do for God is important. Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 10. Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do. Amen? Whatsoever. No matter what it is, if we're doing it, we ought to be doing it our best and understand God is watching. Amen? Not just the big task, the small tasks are important to God. Mary, no doubt, was trustworthy, just as Joseph was trustworthy. And uh, God, of course, then was able to, because He saw she was trustworthy, use her to be the mother of His Son. And then we see this, and, and again, Brother Frost talked about this last night, but it's such a good point. Notice what we see in verse 38. Amen? Of course, the angel comes, tells Mary all these things are going to happen to her. And again, how overwhelming would that be? I mean, could you imagine, think about what Mary was going to have to face, what Mary was going to have to go through, the stereotype in everybody's mind, the hardship of literally being the mother of the Messiah. I mean, folks, listen, this was no simple little task that God was calling her to do. This was a, a, a very difficult thing. In fact, the Bible talks about how sorrow would pierce through her soul. You know, she would lose, I shouldn't say lose, but she would watch her son die on the cross and, and not have that human relationship that she'd had with him. I mean, this was a tough thing that Mary, God was asking her to go through. But notice what we see in verse 38. I love what she said. Behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. Amen? You know what Mary was? Willing. Mary was willing. Hey, let me tell you what God's looking for in 2021, soon to be 2022. He's looking for Christians with the attitude, be unto me according to thy word. That's what God's looking for. God, I don't care what it is, Lord. Whatever you want me to be, I'll be that. Now, folks, listen, I don't have a crystal ball. Even if I had one, I wouldn't even use it. Amen, all right? I can't see the future. I don't know what God's going to allow us to see in 2022, just like I didn't know what God would allow us to experience in 2021. Amen? Only God knows the future. That's why it's important to know Him. Amen? Because He knows the future. I love that song talking about, uh, I may not know the morrow, but I, but, but I can't even remember the words now, but tomorrow's in His hands. Amen? Listen, you want to know the future? Know the God of the future, all right? But folks, let me just say this. I don't know what may be in store ahead of us, but I just know this. Whatever God uh, would, would want for it to be, if we're in His will, we ought to say, be it unto me. Amen? Be it unto me according to Thy Word. 
That's why the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not into thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct thy paths. You know what God's looking for? Christians just to trust Him. Amen? Christians just to obey Him. Christians to have the attitude, Be it unto me according to thy word. So when we look at Mary and Joseph, here's what we see. Just, compassionate, obedient, having restraint, hardworking, moral purity, highly favored with the Lord, trustworthy, willing. You know what? We need to have those character traits as well. Amen? By the way, if God was able uh, to use them based upon that, I think God can use us based upon that. By the way, nowhere in that, in, in the description of Mary and Joseph do we see sinless. By the way, this, this damnable heresy that the Catholic Church teaches as far as worshiping Mary as some perfect person. Mary was not perfect, folks. She was not sinless, all right? And she should not be worshipped as such. And by the way, uh, a little history lesson here, that mother-son worship didn't originate with the Roman Catholics. Study history. Go all the way back to the beginning in Genesis. You see that that character Nimrod. There was mother-son worship going on there. And all throughout history, you see mother-son worship. And truth be told, it's a pagan practice, amen? And to worship Mary as some deity, uh, that, that is never what God intended, nor would Mary want that, amen? She was just a handmaid of the Lord. And so let's take these lessons here from Joseph and Mary, let's apply them to our life, and then let's be what the Lord would have for us to be. Let's pray.